Good morning, everybody. This is Zach Marzo with Melman Podcast. David Melman. David Melman is here. We have an awesome guest this morning, um, Mike Bryant from the Skydesk Group. He's the CEO and founder of Skydesk Group, um, which I have here. I want to introduce this. I don't want to mess this up. They do um, a wide range uh, of services, specifically uh, strategic security consulting and threat management, um, which I actually, let me pull up, you had a, a Instagram post, Mike, that I thought for, for us common folk, if you will, uh, it made sense. You said, we are in the prevention business. We're here to train people how to keep things from going wrong. Second to that, teach people how to handle things when they don't go as planned. So security, risk reduction, protective services, event management, travel security. And that's on like the corporate side along with, you know, government slash law enforcement side. And Michael go into this a little bit more on what his background is, but um, super interesting guy, a lot of experience, a lot of stories to tell. Um, some he probably can't, but uh, very happy to, to have you here, Mike, and uh, appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah so I appreciate you having me. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, Mike. How you got to this point with Skydesk, and uh, maybe just a little bit about you know what what you do in in your own words. Sure. Um, I uh, when I graduated high school, I, uh, I joined the Marines, and I, I spent eight years in the in the Marine Corps. And uh, when I got out of the Marines, uh, I knew I wanted to be in uh, law enforcement, so I I uh, spent the uh, Roughly about seven and a half to eight years uh, in law enforcement. Uh, 9-11 happened. Um, I got recruited by the State Department uh, um, with some of their uh, uh, contracting firms, and I ended up uh, going to Afghanistan and uh, working and training some of their law enforcement personnel and some of their, uh, their uh, I guess, their counterterrorism apparatus that they have in sure. place there. And um, I spent a lot of time uh, in the Middle East, in uh, Afghanistan mostly, uh, Iraq, uh, Jordan, and then in some parts of Eastern Europe. And um, it's basically at, at one point you kind of do the math. Um, you can be really good at your job, but sometimes, you know, Mother Nature will will kind of let you know that it's kind of time to, to hang up your, uh, your gun belt. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, I, I kind of reached that point and always knew that I want to start my own business. I always had some type of entrepreneurial spirit. And... Um, I started Skydesk Group roughly in about 2012, and um, the, the rest is kind of history from that. Um, you know, we just, we looked and saw kind of a gap in what was out there within the private sector. Um, you had, uh, you know, your traditional security uh, companies that were out there, but there was no, like, truly integrated, you know, risk management firm that could handle all the components to it. So not only dealing with uh, your 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 safety aspects of making sure that your workplace is safe, but also understanding the security side of the house. And so we took basically all of the skill sets that I had the honor and privilege of working some of the most talented people in the world and uniting that and put that into a business. And that's, that's kind of what our, our goal is with Scottish group is to say, Hey, these are the lessons that we learned from some very uh, adverse uh, conditions. And, and here's how those lessons have direct ramifications for the business world. Very cool. Do you, I know at, at the, you know, one level you are, you know, providing um, security for, you know, people that are, 
I hate to say, you know, very important, but maybe have a lot to lose or they're you know, wealthy. They have a lot of assets. Uh, they're a CEO of a huge corporation and they need protection. Maybe there's a target on their back for whatever reason. They have haters, you know, you name it. But then all the way down to the corporate level of making sure that businesses that have assets or you have a warehouse and you're selling, you know, high ticket items is your security uh, in place or, you know, can I ask somebody who, you know, truly knows how to protect something, come on, come in and kind of consult with us to make sure our cameras, IT system, all that stuff. Is that correct, basically? That, that's basically it. And what we kind of categorize it, there's basically three types of security that's out there. Um, you have one because either a, a, uh, a person, an entity, or an asset has some type of direct threat or risk that's been pointed at it. Uh, with, you know, with today's climate, what's going on, um, you know, depending on what your business model is, it may run contrary to what people believe um, is, is in the, in society's best interest. That that occurs. And personnel who support that, they have a risk with on them. And then you have kind of what we call your general practices as far as uh, having a good risk management program that's in place that kind of takes and adopts an all-hazard risk mitigation protocol. And then uh, what, what we see most common is kind of check the box, meaning your insurance requires that you have some type of security presence. And... Um, you know, what we see is folks will actually, you know, engage with that because they don't understand it and understand what having a, um, a strong risk and prevention uh, management profile, what that actually can do for your business, then how it saves you money and in the long term can actually make you money because it'll keep you from doing some things that might, uh, might cause you problems down the road. No, that's a great, that's a great um, point on all, on all three points. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because what I'm seeing here, it's more you're playing offense to be ahead of it rather than react to it. Absolutely. So it seems like everything you're doing, you're trying to be ahead of and get prepared for rather than scrambling once it hits, the, you know, the shit hits the fan. That, and we, yeah, it, that's that's 100% cr- uh, true. Um, you know, when I was a police officer, um, you know, we responded to, to incidents. Uh, our job was to respond to an incident, write the report, and have someone to investigate the crime or the harm or the damage that had occurred to someone. And one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I quickly learned um, – as a security uh, consultant, I have zero interest in trying to catch a bad guy. I want to prevent it from occurring in the, very, in the first place. And that was kind of one of the, the, the key lessons. And I remember when I was recruited, um, I got sent to uh, Virginia to go through a, you know, a, a fairly advanced uh, security school. And at the time, you know, I'd, I'd been a police officer for a long time. I'd been in the Marines. You know, I, my tactical skills, I, I thought, were fairly sharp. So why are you sending me to a security school and and it was probably one of the best things that ever happened because uh i i can tell you um what i thought i knew about protecting life and property and what i actually knew were two very divergent things and i can tell you what crow tastes like because uh (laughs) what we in law enforcement have been doing um we've been doing wrong there's there's no better way to to put it sure so absolutely that's interesting. I mean, you always think like, even as a, a police officer, been on the force for 10 years, you know, you kind of know it all. And I don't think, and not everybody's like that, obviously, mm-hmm. but even in other businesses, you feel like you've been doing something long enough, but there's always something more to learn. Uh, you can always get better. And like you're saying, you know, you're like, man, I've been in law enforcement for a while. And now this stuff I'm learning, it's just too bad that from the beginning, not everybody can have that training, but then SCIDIS kind of comes in for certain organizations where you can provide all of that experience you have mm-hmm. um, on the private side to 
organizations and government entities, you know, right. you name and it, it. It's actually one of the gaps that we see, especially on, on the private sector side, is that you'll have a, uh, a CISO or a chief security officer, and then mm-hmm. you'll have a uh, chief information security officer. And those two don't talk to one another. And fundamentally, they have the same job. And realistically, those two jobs need to integrate. And that's sure. one of the things And we, uh, one of our, uh, uh, one of the largest uh, businesses that you have in Metro Atlanta is actually one of our clients. And we had this discussion at length because if you look at the way that, you know, malware attacks, uh, you know, software and business institutions almost identical to how someone is going to, you know, attack someone physically. And one of the things that we, we looked at is you've got to understand the attack cycle, what, what that is, how it works, how it runs, and then you adapt your, your protective strategies around that. And that's not only true for on, in the physical sense to protect physical assets, but it's also true for your, um, your IT placements mm-hmm. and everything along those lines. And that was one of the things where, you know, I, I, I'm by no means an IT uh, security expert. I, 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 I can talk to you about it. Uh, on the surface level, but that's not a skill set that I have. We make sure that we, we bring the correct experts into that. But understanding that those two functions, they run together. And in, for, for us in the protection industry, it's, uh, we're, we're tasked with two key things, and both are equally and vitally important. You know, obviously, we want to protect, uh, especially if it's a person that's engaged us or, or a business, we want to protect that, that person from any type of physical harm and safety, but just as important, and this is something that's lost on a lot of people when they, when they do hire some type of personal protection, it's their reputation. Um, there are so many things that, that, that are out there that can compromise someone's safety and reputation, and especially if you're a Fortune 100 uh, individual or if you're running a large company, uh, an unflattering picture on Twitter or some other comment that you make or someone hears, um, that can cause catastrophic damage to your business. So it's not just that individual. It's all the people who work underneath that person. It's interesting you, you say that, Mike, and I, I don't want to lose the thought, so sorry to interrupt, but it just happened with um, CrossFit Incorporated. CrossFit, everybody knows, is like a type of... Um, exercise, but CrossFit's mm-hmm. really like a, a brand. Yes, there's different types of workouts and everybody just talks about it as CrossFit, but the actual company, CrossFit Incorporated, the mm-hmm. uh, CEO and founder um, who's created something amazing for people to change their lives, he said something insensitive on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, he's retired. Thousands of CrossFit gyms are getting rid of the CrossFit name and it's almost like crisis management at this point, all because of... Uh, Reebok you know, pulled out too, right? Reebok, Reebok big pulled. sponsor, like the entire CrossFit. It's almost like, you know, you look a at it as words. like the NFL. Right. And, you know, I, I I get it. I'm not here to share my opinion, but like you're saying, mm-hmm. um, people can, like the guy's whole, you know, kind of reputation and existence got destroyed because of like seven letters that he right. put on Twitter. It's right. insane. Uh, it's crazy. So you have to... You know, it's it's tough, man. People want to voice their opinions and social media is like, it's awesome, but it's also like, you know, gives people a voice that, you know, they really, I don't know, they just say things that are irrational sure. and doesn't make any sense. But Right. To, to, to use kind of a, a, a pop uh, culture reference, uh, it's, it's kind of like the dragons from Game of Thrones. Yeah, okay? sure. Um, they're really cool and they're really powerful and they're great when they're on your side, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you rub one the wrong way. Yeah, you're dead. <laughs> sure, yep. sure. You know, ask about the leadership we, we were talking about. Yeah, I was, was going to ask you about that. You know, mm-hmm. um, for example, the uh, management team capacity building. Sure, go into that if you don't mind, because 
are you bringing companies in for the, I, th- I believe it's a two-day workshop, Correct. right? Two-day. And they're being trained by some of the elite of the elite, right? Whether it's organization, leadership, everything, right? Mm-hmm. And you might have companies coming in there thinking they know everything or the boss knows it. And how do you see um, the after effect? Do, what is your system to follow up with? Did, did it help? Do you see any kind of shift? Because sure. I think like for us, we would want to go into that to make it better, not because we're trying to fix something or, you know, you never know what could be broken. You know, after that workshop, you can kind of see things that maybe there are flaws in leadership or the communication within the team. Explain that to us. And these sure. all the business owners on the podcast that watch this, I think can really um, thrive from it and hopefully take advantage of, the, you know. Sure. Within, within the business world, um, and, and this is one of the direct lessons that, that I brought from me from uh, being posted to conflict zones and, and, and being engaged in, you know, leading people, um, in a war zone. Um, there's a difference between managing and leading. And what's happened, especially within the, the corporate entity and within the business world, is we have confused the two. You know, a, a manager makes sure that uh, everything, uh, you've got all your your parts, pieces, and everything that a person needs to do a job, and you're managing the flow of an item, whatever that widget is, you're managing it, managing it but you're not necessarily understanding the human quotient that's involved with it because people are very unique. People have their own opinions. They have their own thoughts. They have their own work style, their own workflow. And as a manager, sometimes, and we see this most often, especially when there's conflict is the manager gets uh, just completely, you know, engaged in the managing of the stuff rather than understanding that he's also has to lead his people. Humans. Correct. Um, because the, the number one asset that any institution has, whether it's a, a, a business or a sporting event or in the military, it's, it's personnel. That, that is by far the best asset that you've got. And to think otherwise, and if you think you've, that a tool is actually what's making your life better, that's, that's just not true. Because that tool requires a human being to do some type of input with it. Would you, would you find, guys, Mike, um, that kind of fit the mold of what you're looking for? Or you try to lead them kind of where they're at because everybody's different. It's hard to find the same six people with the same mindset. So how do you kind of, I guess if you had a crew going out to do a mission, everybody Mm -hmm. has their own unique skill set. Do you try to like level with them and, and kind of meet them halfway or demand that, Hey, uh, you know, uh, follow me, do it this way. And like, it'll kind of be, uh, okay, I guess. No, one of the things that what, what a leader does is sets the example and, uh, and that's it. Their job is to set and demand excellence from their personnel, that they meet the standard that the leader sets. And that's the key component of being a leader is that you have to be that role model for the behaviors that you want to see within your own personnel. And part of doing that is having the ability to effectively communicate to all members of your team. And what we see is, uh, and, and I go back to use the management role, that is we see people, they'll talk at people rather than talk to people. And there's that fundamental failure to communicate. If you've ever been involved in any type of work environment, where's that, it just seems like the, that workflow is not happening. And I'd say probably 90% of that is that there's a failure to communicate correctly and find out how do I communicate with someone to make sure that I'm getting what I need done effectively. The second part of that is that the manager doesn't go out and actually role model the behavior that they want done. If they have a, you know, a, a, a job done at a certain way or a certain standard, by all means, you don't have to be the expert for it, but you need to show your team members that you're willing to learn that. And the example that I use for that when, um, when I first started uh, in, in my roles within the Middle East, I started out as, uh, and I'm 
for for you guys who've done the the, the you know the high threat protection, this will make a lot of sense to you. But I started out as a left rear machine gunner. What that meant was in the vehicle packages that we were moving, my position was in the third vehicle. I sit in the back left side, uh, seat with a, a belt-fed machine gun. That was for our protection strategy. That was kind of your entry-level position. By the time it was all said and done, I had moved up the, the food chain, and uh, when I ended up running all protective operations uh, for all of Afghanistan, for all, all personnel, I had done every single one of those positions. And one of the things that I like to do with our guys, you know, I was headquartered in Kabul, Afghanistan, um, we would have guys who would have to rotate to either to go back home or you'd have an injury or some other type of emergency where they'd have a gap in personnel. And one of the things that I made a point was when I would fly out, I'd do part of our, our, you know, our assessments of our teams, make sure everybody's meeting their training standards, have everything up and running, you know, on, on paper, I'm the boss. And, you know, I would, I would tell the team leader there, I said, look, I said, who do you have on vacation? What, where do you have a gap? And, you know, they'd say, well, the, the tactical commander's out. That's the guy who basically runs the convoy I said, Roger that, I'll go fill that seat. Or our saw gunner, he's out. Roger that, I'll go fill that seat. And so every one of my teams, all seven of them that we had throughout the country, they knew that when I came to town, now I wasn't some guy that was telling them how to do the job because, you know, I would just put there because, you know, somebody liked me. I had earned it. And I had, uh, I had done the job, and I knew the roles and responsibilities of every single position. Now, again, the – that lesson for me was was critical because I, I can tell you it was one of the best best as a person learning events that I have and how to run a company is to make sure that if you need a, a difficult task done and you know you've got a hard deadline, a manager sits in his office and demands that the guys gets it done. And the fundamental difference between a leader is that he's in there with the guys and gals who are busting their bottom to achieve that goal. He's out there with them and telling them, come with me, I'm here with you, we're going to share this burden, we're going to accomplish this task. And some personalities are actually better for that. And one of the things that we can also help with, especially with our, our uh, management capacity building, is helping people to understand, hey, what, what, am, I, what am I actually suited for? And, and drive on from there. And it's, it's huge, you know, um, you made me think of, David and I talk about this a lot, if our office manager's out of the office, somebody else is sick, that, that seat, so to speak, doesn't just um, uh, sit there until they get back from vacation or being sick. You know, we're trained to jump into any role mm-hmm. uh, at any point so that we can keep up with our clients and customers and any other business out there. Like, if you only have one line cook in a kitchen that can prepare that dish and he's sick or, you know, if something bad happens, whatever, heaven forbid, you know, you don't have anybody else to fill it in. It's like kind of crazy, you know, just for other businesses listening, sure. you got to be able to, your leader should be able to do everything, uh, in his business. I guess at some point, everything, certain things require skill, right? Correct. But at the same time, you know, we, uh, at every seat in our office, um, you know, can be taken over by one of our teammates in case something happens to, you know, one of our team members. Sure. You have to be able to fit in and where you're needed and adjust and help because you right. want to help, not because you have to help. And I'm big on, I'm, I'm big on explaining that to our team, uh, making sure that they can understand, like, if you need help, just ask, communicate, communicate. I think your level of communication has to be there too. And more importantly, you bring up um, talking to your team, you also need to be able to adjust everyone's personality. That's because the way you talk to somebody one way might not get through the other person. They might get upset. You know, one person's more direct. I have another team member that you have to kind of break the ice a little more before you go into the right. actual thing. And you need to adjust and understand personalities. Does that um, 
management team capacity building program kind of help you maybe figure out, oh, you know, if it works for you? Because not everyone's a leader. You think you're a leader just because you're put in a position or a manager, like that, you said. That's correct. That, that's so, absolutely one of the things that, that we like like to do is, is help you. When, when we have a team come to us, it's one of the things that we, we do our own kind of internal assessment and we give our customers, hey, this is what we saw, kind of a, a quick snapshot of the behavioral analysis and behaviors that we saw sure. and someone's strong points, someone's weak points, what they can do better and what is their propensity to actually be a, a, a leader, someone that you may want to invest in long term into putting into some type of leadership role. And, you know, there's with, within your larger companies, you have your strategic objectives that are long-term, that are out there, and then you have your operational objectives. And what you've got to be able to do is be able to communicate that succinctly from the top all the way down so that everybody knows what's going on. They're all moving in the same direction. And, um, you know, that's that's one of the key components that we have of that particular training session. Sure. No, I think so. it's excellent. Um, I would love to hear, you know, if you're open for it, and, you know, an interesting story where, you know, you, you sense the leadership, somebody taking control of the situation and making sure everything was perfect in a situation that went wrong. Maybe, you know, on, on the corporate side, whether it was, um, you know, travel safety abroad or anything, anything, if you're able to talk about it, you know, obviously something that clicks in your mind, a scenario that went sour that was immediately handled correctly because of your training and the people you put in place to help these people. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you the name of, uh, of the company, but sure, of uh, course. we were looking after the C-suite for, uh, one of the largest um, convenience store chains uh, in the country. Sure. Uh, every year they have a, an extremely large uh, uh, conference uh, in Las Vegas. They take over an entire hotel, uh, and it's one of the largest ones that's out there. And, and they have roughly three to 4,000 uh, members of their franchisees come, come into town and, and handle um, everything that, that they're doing. It's kind of showing what our new products are, where we're moving, and then what we're doing right in introducing new new products with them. And you have all of the vendors who support that, uh, your your Coca-Colas, your Budweiser's, um, your food vendors, your can your Nestle. It, if you walk into a convenience store, there is a ton of sure. vendors who, who supply them with, the, with uh, all of their goods that they sell. Um, when we were initially uh, engaged for that particular project, um, we looked at how do we move these people around. And one of the things that – you know, when they were first discussing how they were going to move around, there was actually no plan. They'd never had a uh, protective detail around them before. And one of the lessons that we brought was uh, from, from our end, that's called a key leader engagement. And so we sat down with their CEO and said, who, who are the key people that you need to talk to during this daytime? And so we sent our personnel out to go find exactly where their booths were, how to get there for them to do whatever um, that they needed to get done. And so we had prepared in advance for that to occur. Well, we got on the ground and one of, there's something unique about this particular organization. Um, their franchisees really hold the C-suite in high reverence. I mean, it's uh, almost like rock stars sure. and uh, it's something that uh, y you don't necessarily see, uh, especially in a corporate environment, but uh, these guys do some fantastic, some fantastic things. But one of the things that they actually needed to get done was they were, they were engaging, uh, a fizzy energy drink uh, that uh, is actually a marketing company. I'll, I'll sure. I'll let, let's yeah. go from there. Uh -huh. okay? Yeah. All right. Um, about uh, uh, some new products that both were wanting to engage in. And so we sat and watched, and the initial conversations that were taking place just simply wasn't, wasn't working, you know. And so one of the things that we did, we used some one of our old tricks that uh, uh, we had. So we had our guys basically – 
turn around and face outboard. And uh, we directed the flow of personal traffic around these guys, and they were able to sit in with that little bubble that we created for them, hammer out a deal where this uh, uh, large uh, chain was the first to receive and carry the fizzy drink uh, before sure. anybody else ever did. And when we were all said and done, and they said flat out, said, you know, we would never had that conversation if you guys hadn't uh, set that up you correctly. Sensed, you sensed oh, something. Yeah. It, it, it was, just kind of one of those things where yeah. you can watch. Both parties were uncomfortable, and it's, it's uh, the best analogy I can give you is if you've ever had had, had a friend of yours at a bar somewhere, and you can see him, but there's like four people back, and you can't. Hey, I'd like to say hello, Frank. It's good to talk to you. Right, right. But then just the mash of people, you you don't get that engagement. You created the environment for the deal. That's exactly right. Recon- we recognize right then and there that hey, this is this may have some critical importance here. What can we do to enable that? Interesting. And um, wow, yeah. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, what do you guys look incredible. like there? Yeah. You're, you're in what you're dressed in now. Obviously, you don't want to stick out like yeah, a sore thumb. No, no. We, we generally when we're in, when we're engaged somewhere, we don't run around and. You know, that's, that's kind of one of the popular myths out there is that, uh, you know, for, for the layperson, they, they call us bodyguards. Sure. Um, for us, um, I, I want to blend in as, as much yeah, as possible. Sure. I, I, I'm there not to take away from what your business is, and we're, we're basically there as corporate support. That if you look at what our, our lanyards are on most of our necklaces, it'll have corporate support and uh, basically a first name, and that's basically it. And we carry the cards of uh, whoever the uh, uh, administrative assistance is for whomever the protectee is. So when we hand those out, you know, those folks can have direct contact. And, again, it's, it's a way of making sure that we don't take away from the, the person that's there. And, you know, one, one of the things that we, we, we tell our, our clients, the number one thing that I, I want to do is uh, I, I want to I earn your confidence. Okay. I want you to know that every step that I take is designed to be in not only your personal safety best interest, but also what's in the best interest for your business here. And I'm going to safeguard your reputation just as um, strongly as I safeguard your, your personal safety wherever you go. So sure. it's really cool. Really what would cool. you say, yeah. um, Mike, kind of like uh, to finish off, if somebody listening, they're like, all right, well, this is this sounds like super cool. I want to know more. Like what does, what and or who is like a good referral for you? Like whether that's a smaller company, mid-sized company, large company with a lot of assets. Um, is there any particular client that, you know, you're looking for where if somebody's watching, they'll be like, oh, that sounds like, you know, my business. Right. Well, it, it's one of the things, if you look at our portfolio, uh, we, we don't have a set client base. Uh, we have, uh, <laughs> we had, hell, I can't disclose who sure. we have, but yeah, uh, sure. Sure. basically oh, you just a range, right, a you, wide variety. Correct. You think of the companies in Metro Atlanta mm-hmm. that are your key marquee businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're either active clients or we have done work, work with them. them. Hmm. Um, and they run everything from, uh, you know, uh, pest control, mm-hmm. uh, up through defense contracting. Um, uh, it, it just, it, it's a wide spectrum. Yeah. Sure. I mean, if somebody that feels like they, if you feel like you need it, mm-hmm. if you, right. you have that in mind, like you might need it or you're going somewhere where you're not comfortable with a different country, a different state sure. mm-hmm. where you want that, well, I guess, clean mindset to focus on what you need to do. Sure. And it's you not, know? it's not just on, on the close protection side. It's also on, 
um, you know, one of the scourges that were happening was workplace violence. Sure, um, sure. One of the things that, that I talked to you about earlier was understanding that how do I predict this? And one of the uh, we were actually engaged when the uh, uh, the shooting took place out in uh, California. Um, we were actually engaged by a, a firm that wanted to know whether or not um, that event could have been predicted. And based on my training knowledge and experience, most oftentimes acts of violence are, are highly predictable. It's just that we as human beings, we, we have lost, I wouldn't say that we've lost the ability to, to spot it. It's just when we do see it, we ignore it because we're actually victims of the successes that we have, especially here in the U.S. Violence, uh, uh, take away everything that's going on currently, is absolutely a extremely rare event that occurs in most people's lives. Mm-hmm. So when they see predatory behavior, whether it's by another human being or by another business, they don't necessarily recognize it. And when it does start to manifest, by the time they actually begin to respond to it and address to it, it's too late. Sure. And so sure. one of the things that, that we bring to it, and especially it's there's two groups that we generally engage within a business. It's either their, their HR, uh, their human resources, and also their legal team. Um, on HR, your, your screening processes, if, you, if you're wanting to know, hey, do we have a problem within our organizations? What can we do with it? Um, we go through, uh, we have a workplace violence predictor. We have an internal threat predictor. I can tell you within a fair degree of certainty whether or not, you know, somebody um, has the potential to cook off. And the thing with it is when we, when we engage this, what we do is we want to, someone reaches a, a certain score on it that your uh, EAP process kicks into place, your your employee assistance program because what we found is that in almost 95 percent of the cases where there is some type of instance of violence that person who took active measures or who became violent they let the whole world know what they were going to do it's just no Mm -hmm. one you know necessarily took them serious and so what we want to do is to be able to say hey look this person is you know is, is having a problem it's now starting to devolve into a crisis let's get them in front of somebody and let's stop it before it becomes a real problem sure yeah, that's uh, that sure. great point. It's uh, it's crazy. You know, I'm just uh, like you said, uh, being here in the states. You know, we're not used to you know these crazy things happening. Mm-hmm. So when they do, everybody kind of freaks out. But you know, you have all the experience in the world to see what's going on other places, mm-hmm. and you know, it's kind of like a you know who knows a, a, a resort here in America, so to speak, with the amount of violence that happens, and you know how protected we are with mm-hmm. the security that you know we have with police and and you name it. But I really, really appreciate you coming on, Mike, your time. You can reach out to um, Mike. I have his information up on the screen. I'll have it, you know, in the description when we post this uh, video, but whether that's email, Facebook, Instagram, or checking him out on his website. If you don't know and you're like, well, maybe they could help. I'm not 100% sure. You know, reach out, ask, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't know, ask. You don't know what you don't know, as Mike said uh, Mm -hmm. earlier. So just want to thank you, um, Awesome. Love to have you back and and, uh, share more stories at at some point and uh, leave the the business talk kind of aside. But, uh, you know, nice to meet you and we appreciate everything, uh, you you know, you do. It was awesome. Appreciate you. You bet, guys. I enjoyed it. Um, Kind of my first foray into this. uh, It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. More to come. Very cool. Rock and roll.